All right. I know I say this probably every single time, but I genuinely mean it every single time. It feels so good to be here. We're going to go ahead and pass the, uh, the offering around and God just, uh, we're going to get into this. But man, it feels good. Um, I was preparing for, for uh, this last night and, um, and I, I literally was here on this stage last night preparing and, and walking through things. And um, none of you were in the seats, right? It's, it's dark. It's just me, and I'm walking through this and this introduction right here, and I just got to picturing your faces out there, and I'm talking to an empty room, and I'm saying, you know what? I know this probably sounds like the cliche, you know, speaker thing to say, but man, I love seeing your faces. I was envisioning it in my mind, and man, I just, I genuinely, I just look around the room. I love you guys. Um, it's, it feels so good to always be here with you. Um, we've been in a series called The Body, and if you've enjoyed it, can we go ahead and give a round of applause on just the series? and. Uh, it's been some interesting topics, right? There's been some common terms that we use around in the church, and I'm learning kind of what some of that even means. And so I hope you're finding it interesting as well. And I am hope that we're finding what it is that we are meant to do here as the church and, uh, and that we can step into that knowing that, you know, belief and as we learn what these things mean and what we are to do, and we have belief behind that, we tend to move into action more. So I hope that ultimately that's what we're getting into. And this week, this week I'm speaking on the power of the church, the power of the church. And before I go any further, I'm going to ask that we pray. I'm going to ask that you pray um, that God would, would lead and guide me. Um, that he would speak just through me and right into our hearts. So help me pray, God, we love you so much. You are so amazing. You are so incredible. I can't begin to comprehend your greatness. I worship you, God, and I pray that you would just speak through me, little old me, that your word would come straight through me because that's what's going to make an impact in our hearts and in our mind, that this would move us, truly move us into action, that this wouldn't be words that we hear and we take in and we move on, but that it would move in our soul and in our spirit, that it will cause us and draw us to action. As your church, God Almighty, help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. I'll tell you, um, uh, I was preparing for this sermon, and I knew that this was the topic I was speaking, and not speaking on, and I don't know about you guys, but um, I just got to thinking, power of the church, you know, yeah, power of the church, what, what is the power of the church exactly? You know, I started to struggle with that, and, and I was 
tossing and turning with it. And um, I don't know about you guys, but I needed, I needed to really understand what does that mean specifically? You know, it sounds great. Power of the church. <laughs> but, but what does it mean, right? And I hope that, um, that through today, we understand that better. And I want to just kind of jump to the punchline. I think that uh, far too often the church is seen as weak. I think far too often we feel weak. I think we feel like I can't do anything. I can't make an impact. I am too weak. And technically, kind of right, we are weak. But what makes us strong and what makes us powerful is who lives inside of us. Yeah, feel free. Help me out, please. I'm going to need it this morning. We, we don't lean on the spirit that li- lives in us, and that's where the power comes from, right? We are powerful as the church as long as we look to him, lean to him, and step into that. So I've got, uh, I'm going to jump right in because I've got a lot to get to. Um, there's really three main points that I want to make this morning, and um, the first one is... The power of the church is to witness, to witness. I just spoke a couple weeks ago on evangelism. And uh, I feel like, you know, these guys keep giving me the same topic. I'm like, all right, well, maybe I'm supposed to speak on this. To witness. I spoke uh, a couple weeks ago about us as the church maybe haven't done the best of job in evangelism and sharing and spreading the gospel, even though that's exactly what we are supposed to do. That is our mission, is to spread the gospel. We now have it. We live it. Thank God Almighty we do. Amen. But now it's up to us. It's literally up to us to spread the gospel. See, uh, the power that's in that is that the gospel is what breaks through all the sin, all the shame. It breaks through hardened hearts. It breaks through opposition. The gospel is what breaks through all of that mess, all of that filth, all of that hardened hearts, and it awakens faith in the heart so that the unbeliever becomes a believer. That is the power the power of the gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose again so that the Holy Spirit can live inside of us and we can share the gospel with others. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. This is Jesus and the disciples speaking. After he has been resurrected, so that's pretty crazy, right? Hang on, hold up. He's here, he's alive, I saw what happened, this is crazy. The disciples are in on the know, they know what's going on, they've had some interactions with Jesus um, uh, post-crucifixion, right? But everyone else is kind of in the dark on this thing, right? So this is fresh, hot off the press, if I could talk, that he has risen, It is the gospel. It is the good news. He has risen. So here we are. 
It's after this, he's, he's with the disciples and they, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the what? The power, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? Witnesses Witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, Winsville, Lake St. Louis, and to all the ends of the earth. We will receive the Holy Spirit. We have received the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to spread the gospel. That's what he's called us to. That's what he's called us to. That kind of charged me up right there. <laughs> that's what he called me to do. Yes. Like that's, that's the goal. To spread the gospel of the good news. And after that, he was taken up before their very eyes. This was the very last thing he left with them. Hey, I'm leaving. Spread this thing. Let him know. Let him know. I can't do it anymore. And then he, he goes up and ascends into heaven. Crazy, right? Amazing. We are to be his witnesses. That is what he's called us to do. You know, um, in one of the songs we sang this morning, there was a particular line, and I'm going to trip over this. Um, it said, prophesy like it is done. Yes. <laughs> prophesy like it is done. From a, a position of faith, from a position of knowing, rather than timidly stepping into an awkward, oh, I know the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this, but this is going to be really awkward. And, 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 and. But prophesy like it is done that you have the faith that it is already done. That hit me this morning. So since I already spoke on evangelism, and I don't want to brush over this because, again, this is like, this is, this is what we got to do, right? We got to witness. I want to move into our second item, and that is spiritual warfare. There is a spiritual warfare that is constantly taking place. And I know sometimes we get... A little uh, uncomfortable thinking about uh, the spiritual side of things and the spiritual warfare that takes place, but it takes place, right? right? And rather than feeling that insecurity and that uncomfortable uncomfortableness of of uh, the spirit realm, that we can flip the script on that. And we can come from a position of power and offense when it comes to spiritual warfare. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three and four says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Divine power to demolish those strongholds. Ephesians 6, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Can I be honest with you guys? Last night, I told you I was preparing for this. It was late at night, really dark. And uh, I was talking about this, I was talking out this very scripture. And as I did it, I sensed something in the corner that grabbed my attention. And no one here quickened my spirit. And all of a sudden, I, I had this fear rush over me. I'm just real talk. This is, this happened just literally a few hours ago. And you know what? I, my instinctual reaction was fear. My instinctual reaction was fear. And here I am speaking this very verse. And I, in my mind, as I'm walking through it, and as I had this rush of fear kind of hit me, I said, you know what? I'm going to speak this verse. (laughs) All of a sudden, I started speaking this verse, and I started pointing my finger, and I started speaking it out loud, because the power of the Holy Spirit will push off demonic forces. It will push back those spiritual warfare that we have. Amen? And I I immediately felt this, this flip in my spirit of fear to this position of power because we have God Almighty in, in our life, in our spirit. I'm going to walk through a list. Uh, this, that verse that we just left off on, it goes into a list of the acts of the flesh. And as I was reading this list, I couldn't help but think about how prevalent these things are. And we're about to put them on the screen here for you because I don't know about it. I don't know about you guys, but it's like the norm. Like these things, to me, I think in our society, in our culture, in our world, these are the norm. And, and at the end, after it lists all these things, there's this statement that I'm going to share with you that just, it broke my heart when I read it. So the acts of the flesh. The acts of the flesh. Did I jump the gun here? I did jump the gun. Rewind. Take about the past 15 seconds. Back up. I jumped the gun. All right. So we're going into the full armor of God. So this scripture goes into the full armor of God. We just left off in um, where the scripture told us to put on the full armor of God. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world, right? They're not the weapons of this world. We fight in the spiritual realm. And so the full armor of God are when you have attributes of truth, truth, righteousness. These are the things that help protect us is when we are righteous, his spirit protects us. Faith, when we have faith that God Almighty is who he says he is. When God Almighty does all that he does, that God is our protector, that he is our provider, that God is all that he says he is, and that we have faith that he is who he says he is, that he does have legions of angels that come out on our behalf, that put a hedge of protection around us, that fight our battles in the spiritual realm. Do we believe, do we have faith 
Do we have faith that God is who he is? Peace. When nothing around us is, is peaceful whatsoever, that it's chaos and there's commotion, but yet because of the spirit that resides in us, we have peace that passes all of that understanding, all of that logic. The word of God, the word of God protects us. It is our weapon against the enemy where we go on attack. Is it the word of God? I don't know about you guys, but when I read the word, there is something that just kind of stirs in me. When I read the word, and I like, to, I like to read it out loud too. I like to put it out there. You know, I like to let the enemy know the words that are, I'm speaking and I'm reading. I like to put it out there. The word of God has power. The word of God will lead and guide. This isn't something that I think This is something I know from experience. There's been too many times that in prayer time, the Holy Spirit will speak to me so specifically. There's been times with Tara so specifically that you can't deny this is a God thing. And I know stories of many of you that the Holy Spirit spoke as you went to him in prayer. And it was so specific that you can't deny what happened, that God was in that, right? Prayer. Prayer, the weapon we fight, the weapons we fight with are in the spiritual realm. Prayer. I'm going to go through a a story here, Acts 12. This is an amazing event that happens. I'm going to warn you that this is a lot of scripture here. But stay in this with me because this is an incredible event that happens. It's an incredible event that happens. So I'm going to read through this. Stay with me, all right, because it's a lot, all right? It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this met the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to the guarded to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. We're working with Indy on our times tables. I think that gets us at 16. 16 for one man in prison. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him out for trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, sandwiched in between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared And a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of his wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. So Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. 
Peter has seen a lot of crazy things in his life, right? And here he is. This is so crazy. He's, I must be dreaming, right? I must be dreaming. So they passed the first and second guards, came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. They didn't have that handicap button, right? It just, it just kind of opened, opened for, for them. They went through it, and when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself, <laughs> collected himself, and he said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything that the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John and also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it. She was so overjoyed, she forgot to let the dude in. You remember Mark McGuire's record-breaking 60-second home run? He hits it. It goes out. He's so excited. He's trotting down first base, leaping and jumping. He was so overjoyed, he forgot to touch first base. The coach was like, hey, come here. So she was so overjoyed, she just took off, wasn't even thinking straight. And so she goes back. She says, Peter's at the door. And they say, you're out of your mind, they told her. The very thing that they're praying for at the house, for Peter to get out of prison, has now happened. He's at the door. And they said, you're crazy. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. They thought it was more likely that it was an angel of Peter than actually Peter, the one that they're praying for. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And wouldn't you? Peter motioned his hand and for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. How much do you believe in your prayers? How much power do you believe your prayer has? Do we really believe in the power of prayer? Do we use it? Fortunately, fortunately, their prayer still worked. He said, he's, God Almighty still showed, hey, I got this. But how much do we really believe in the power of prayer as a weapon that we have in our pocket at all times? How much do we use that? See, that's a, an amazing event that took place. And I believe that God still moves in amazing ways. I believe that. But for me, I ain't got that. <laughs> I can't make the chains fall off of Peter, right? So our calling, 
Our calling is to simply be faithful to scripture in prayer and in exercising church discipline, which we're gonna talk more about next week, I believe, and then leave the rest to God. Our, our calling, our job is to use the weapons that he's given us, to use the weapons that he's given us to go to him in prayer and to go to scripture and the rest of it is up to him. And you know what? He's gonna give us whatever is sufficient, whatever power is sufficient to accomplish whatever the purpose is for the church and for you. Amen. He will give you whatever is sufficient. Yes. Amen? Yes. All right. Number three, and I think this is at the heart of today's topic. I believe this is at the heart and it's the spirit. We sang a lot about the Spirit this morning. The fruits of the Spirit, I think, is at the core of it what is the game changer for us. When we bear the fruits of the Spirit that lives inside of us and that the power that the Holy Spirit gives us, I believe this is our game changer. Galatians 5, 13 says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I love that line, and I love the fact that our church has a heart just like that. We've got a church full of people that serve one another humbly in love. I love that. I was just bragging about that recently that we have that heart. I love that. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll destroy each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is where I want to walk through the acts of the flesh. This is, this is the list that I was mentioning that it kind of walks through. And as I read through this list and started thinking about our world and our culture and our society, I mean, guys, look, sexual immorality, sexual immorality, the, the perversion that exists, right? Premarital sex, the perversion of, of pornography, the addiction that exists, some of the most successful companies are, are in that industry. The abortions, the sexual immorality that is all over, right? Real talk, I just got real right there. It's true, right? It's true. Idolatry, we've talked about this numerous times. We've talked about numerous of these things. Idolatry, I like to just jump right to, what do you spend most of your time on? What do you spend most of your money on? Because most likely, that is your priority, right? What we put our time, 
what we put our money into is most likely what we are prioritizing in our life. We've talked about it. Is it, is it TV? Is it uh, video games? Is it social media? Is it shopping? Is it sports? Sorry, guys. Um, what is it? We got to be real with that. Hatred. So much hatred in this world with the terrorisms and the shootings and the segregations. And you go on, there's hatred in this world. Discord. There's division. Look at our country, how divisive it is right now. We've got so much strong, opinionated people that are on this side and on this side, and it's like nothing in the middle, right? There's division, jealousy. I was just talking to Tara the other night and some friends, and uh, we were talking about that it seems like my generation, the millennials, and be careful, don't jump on me yet, because I informed one of my older cousins that he's a millennial, and he's like, I hate myself. But <laughs> millennials, I, I think that our generation, something that we're really struggling with is to find contentment. We are struggling to find contentment. We are looking at social media and all these highlights of things that people are posting, you know, and we're like, man, they got it together. They're awesome. And we poo-poo on ourselves right? You guys didn't like that one? (laughs) (laughs) Poo-poo. Sorry, I got three kids. We're too busy looking over the fence and seeing what the neighbors are driving and what they have and all the cool stuff. And we just keep pushing ourselves down and we can't find contentment anywhere. There's jealousy all over the place. Selfishness. We've talked about that. Just very right before this series, we talked about selfishness. That's the root of a lot of of this. And drunkenness, you know, people are starving. People are looking for something. They know they're missing something. They know they need something. They don't have what we have. We don't, they don't have the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. And so they look to different things. It's up to us to change that because, guys, the statement that comes right after that that hit me so hard, after thinking about how prevalent all of that is in our world, it says, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that hit you like it hit me? How commonplace all of that is? And it's up to us to change that? Because it goes right into the fruits of the Spirit. Right Right after that, it goes right into the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love. How different would this world be if we all truly loved one another? I see some heads nodding, some eyebrows raising. How different would it be if we truly loved our neighbors? Joy, how infectious is it when someone around you just has that joy? You know, you're like, oh, this feels good. I wish Bobby was here. Is she here? I don't see her. She's working. So Bobby is, has been that for me lately. Bobby has been just radiating joy. 
since we've moved back, I just like being around Bobby. Bobby just brings me up. That joy is infectious. That's what the Spirit gives us power to do, is to be joyful, peace. When it doesn't make any sense, peace. His peace comforts us. Patience. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Patience isn't weakness. Patience is a dynamic and powerful spiritual discipline. It's deeply rooted in our faith, in the sovereignty of God, in all the promises that he's given us. Pretty cool, right? It's not a weakness. It's not a, it's powerful to be patient when the circumstances don't, don't normally call for that. Kindness, the willingness to serve the needs of others. It's a more active expression of love towards others. Kindness, it's an active expression of love toward others. Goodness, one of the, the things that I liked about goodness when I was looking into this is it says that it's a virtue, one of its virtues is integrity. It is living and working with consistent, principle-centered behaviors. Doesn't matter who you're around, it doesn't matter what the situation is, you are who you are. You're not a hypocrite. You're not a phony. You are who you are. You are a person of integrity. The cool thing also uh, that I noticed in goodness was it said that it is both kind and strong. It's both kind and strong. It will correct out of love. It's enough love to correct someone. You love someone enough to help them. That's goodness. Faithfulness. A person who is faithful follows through on their promises. They do what they say they're going to do. Doesn't that feel good when you have those people in your life when you know, like, you, you know, there's something they say they're going to do and you know, like, done deal, we're good, don't even have to worry about it. Doesn't that feel good? Pretty rare? Pretty rare? Gentleness, humility, thankfulness toward God, and polite, restrained behavior toward others. And self-control. This is, <laughs> this is the one I pray for most, I believe. Devin likes donuts. And I, uh, I try to take it, I try to take the scripture seriously that my body is God's temple. And so I pray, Lord, <laughs> Lord, give me control, you know, give me, give me self-control to not look at the things that I shouldn't look at. Give me self-control to not say the things that I want to say. Give me self-control. Anyone with me on that? Lord, help me with that self-control. Mm. 
You know, what I, I love about this is when you think about those two different lists, and the scripture said it, they're contrary. They're contrary to one another. Our natural flesh, our natural flesh wants what we want, right? It's that selfishness of what we want, but when we have the Holy Spirit living in us, that is the very power that allows us to get out of our flesh, to get out of our natural human tendencies, and to exhibit these attributes. That's what it is. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that because as human beings, we're that other list. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to have this list. And when you think about this, and that kind of touched on some of it as we went through them, but isn't, aren't these things very appealing? When people have these, isn't it very appealing? Yes. And that's what excites me. That's what excites me because it's different. It's different from what you feel and see out at work and in the world. You, you don't get these things normally. And so when you do get it, it's fresh. It feels good. I want that. And that's the power that the Spirit gives us. When we show these things, when we are at work and we are at school and we are at the restaurant and we are at the store, that is, this is the very thing that makes us appealing. This is what gives us the power to witness because that's, that's appealing, it's interesting, it's contagious. Got a quick story. Um, a couple months ago, I was, uh, I needed to go take some shoes, get a different size of shoes. And um, I had Roman, it was just Roman and me, and we were on our way and it was to the outlet mall, one of the outlet malls at, in Chesterfield. And we're on our way and it's, it's becoming nighttime. Um, and so it's starting to get dark and we're on our way. And of course, Roman falls asleep on the way. And I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be interesting because if you wake up Roman, you, you don't know what you're going to get. It's, it can be sweet and it can be not sweet. And um, so he falls asleep and I'm like, oh boy, this, this might get interesting. I get there and, um, and so the, I think the mall was closing in about like 45 minutes or so. So I'm trying not to wake him up, you know, and I, I get him up, I get him on my shoulder. He's out, out like a light. And so I, I get my bag of shoes and I'm, I'm on my way walking to the store. And I had this moment where I was like, this is kind of, it's kind of nice. Like I'm with my dude, he's out. They're so cute when they're asleep, you know, so innocent. And I'm just, I'm, I'm starting to cherish the moment, you know, and I'm walking through and I'm just like, oh, I got my buddy and he's out. And so of course, like I'm, as I walk by people, you get the, <laughs> you get those looks. And I'm like, yeah, this is my guy and I love him. You know, so I go and I exchange the shoes. I'm just like, now I'm like where I was wanting to make sure I got there in time and kind of frantic and, oh no, he's gonna wake up and it's gonna be a disaster. Now I'm in this total mode of like, la-di-da, life is good, you know, and I'm just kind of walking through. I get my shoes exchanged 
go back out to the car, I get another. And I'm like, yes, this is my guy. I I get to the car and I'm like, all right, now I got to get him down gingerly so he stays asleep. And so I lay him down. I'm taking my time. I get him in a car seat. Everything's good. We're good to go. And I'm just kind of walking around the car, smiling, just kind of loving the moment, right? I get in the car. I go to back up and I I'm just slowly, you know, just in my own little world. And I back up and I'm in the, I'm in the like second parking spot. So I'm like right off of like the main like drive around the mall. And now it's like the mall's about to close in 15 minutes. And so I'm like pulling back, totally oblivious to the world. And I see this car waiting for me. And I'm like, ooh, crap. So then I'm like, all right, how do I play this? Because now am I, how long have they been waiting? And do I go? And so I kind of hesitate. And so then I start to go. And then all of a sudden, they just whip right in front of me, like whip right in front of me and parked right in that first parking spot that was right next to me. Just about took the front end of my Murano off, just whipping it like uh, fast and furious drifting right into the parking spot. And so um, my heart's pounding a little bit, you know, and uh, I went from, oh, la-di-da to, oh, my word, almost died. And, um, and so my heart's pounding, you know, and I'm like, man, like, geez. And, and then it hit me in that split moment. It just hit me in that split moment. I felt bad because I, I didn't know, like, how long they were waiting, and I, I just wasn't paying attention. And so I rolled down my window, and this lady gets out of the, the driver's seat. The, her daughter gets out of the passenger seat, and she comes out, slams, <laughs> slams the door. She sees my windows down, so she's like, let's do this. She, she's like, I'm, I'm getting scared. Um, and, and she walks up like... Let's do this. She's fully expecting me to give it, you know, to her with some expletives and, you know, the whole thing. She's ready to go down. And so as she's marching up and stomping up to my car, and I'm just right behind her, um, I just said, as she, as she was getting close to me, I just said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention. And if I was, you know, holding you up, I'm, I'm sorry, just like that. And it was crazy, guys. She went from, like, ready to roll to just immediately, just her whole demeanor just changed. Whole demeanor just changed. And you know what she said back to me? She said, you know, I'm sorry, too. I said, have a good night. She walked off. I'm pretty sure her night was different. I'm pretty sure my night was different than what it would have been if we did have it out on the parking lot. (laughs) That is what's contrary. She was expecting what the world typically gives her. She was expecting what our human nature normally does. I gave her the contrary, totally different outcome. I'd like to believe 
that that little moment stuck with her for a little bit. I'd like to believe that maybe that was a seed. I'd like to believe that the Holy Spirit took that little, silly little story and did something inside of her. That's what the fruits of the Spirit do. It gives us power to change the game. You guys know what I'm talking about? To change the game. So this week, this is my takeaway, this is my challenge to you. This week, you are gonna have something that comes to mind where you know you're supposed to do something for someone. And you guys know what I'm talking about. There's gonna be something that comes to mind where you know you're supposed to say something to someone or do something to someone. And my challenge is, just do it. Take on Nike's motto and just do it. Because we are excellent at talking about all the excuses inside of our head. We are excellent at at convincing ourselves that that is too inconvenient, that that is too uncomfortable. We are excellent at talking ourselves out of these things, right? My challenge to you is just do it. Just do it and see what happens. I got a text this week from someone in the room that they said uh, they were at a place, they felt, they felt that prompting to do something, to go pray for someone at a random place, and they just had the courage to just do it. And went up and said, hey, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray for you, not knowing how this person's going to react, right? Because I know there's been many times where I've talked myself out of it saying, oh, no, I don't want to make them feel awkward. But they had the courage to go up and say, hey, I just feel inclined to pray for you. And of course, immediately, she was like, yes, please, please pray for me. Let the Holy Spirit do what it does. Let it do what it does. He knows a little bit more than we do. He knows what's going on. Just do it. And you know, I believe that the faith of that person that did that in this room skyrocketed when they just did what they knew they were supposed to do, and then the result was what it was. It builds our faith. You guys can go ahead and stand with me. We're going to wrap things up here. But we live, we live in just a broken, evil world, don't we? We live in a broken, evil world where people are hurting. People are hurting, aren't they? Yes. I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, but it seems like, and I've been having conversations this week with people because just trying to, you know, talk about if they agree with me on these things. And do you, don't you feel like depression is, is at its highest? That, that anxiety levels are at its highest? Don't you feel like this jealousy, the lack of contentment, don't you feel like it's just like it's never been before? I don't know if it's just me. I mean, I, that's just what I see. 
it seems like it's at its highest. The hate in the world, the division. And there are a lot of great things that are available in the world. Good people trying to do good things. We've got doctors trying to help people. We have therapists that try to help. We have all the self-help programs. All these things are good things. But I believe what the world needs is the transformation of the heart. All these things are good and they'll help us through. But what we need is a heart transformation. We need a heart change. I think that is when the real change happens. I'm gonna read this little bit in this book here. I thought it was phenomenal and and I just thought it might be most effective to read it. It says, I believe that the only one power that exists on this sorry planet that can do that, that being transform our hearts, it's the power of the love of Jesus Christ. The love that conquers sin, it wipes out shame, it heals wounds, it reconciles enemies, it patches broken dreams and ultimately changes the world one life at a time. And what grips my heart every day is the knowledge that the radical message of that transforming love has been given to the church. That it's totally up to us to share that with people. The very thing that they need so desperately, whether they know it or not, is transformation of heart. And who has the answer for them? We do. We are the hands and feet. We are the hands and feet of Christ. It is up to us. Can we take that? Can we take that on? My dad has shared this story with you before, but we had a church event out in the back. You guys know how we do that every once in a while. It was a big event and um, we were wrapping up and we were picking things up and we're in and out and carrying things and there's a lot of people moving around. It's happening, right? It's just a lot of movement going on. And at some point someone said, hey, have you seen Roman? I said, no, I thought he was with dad. So I came inside, found dad. Hey, where's Roman? I, I don't know. He's not with me. I thought he was, I thought he was with you. Maybe, maybe he's in the restroom. I'll go check the restroom. Go to the restroom. My little man's not there. So it starts to, as dad, it starts to start building in me. You know what I mean? So then I start, my pace starts picking up. But I start walking back outside. All right, well, by now someone's found him, right? We've got a ton of people here. Cer- certainly someone's found him. Hey, if you guys found Roman, no. No, we're looking for him. We can't find him. What do you mean you can't find him? So then, I, so then I start panicking, right? You parents, if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. You've got that pit inside of you and it starts to rise and rise. And so I start taking off down this building. And as I'm doing that and I'm starting to run now, 
as I start to turn that corner, it hits me. Oh my goodness, the street is right here. Where is my son? Is he okay? Is he hurt? Do you know how you do? The worst things start coming to mind, you know? What am I gonna see when I take this turn? My son, I don't know where he is. He's lost. What's happened? Where is he? You know, Indy and Lila were, were looking for him as well, and they were with us, and we knew where they were. And had they asked me anything in that moment, my response is, you got to hang on. I got to find my son. He's lost, right? That pit inside of you, that pit is the pit that is in God's heart for everyone that is lost, for all of his children that don't know him. That is the heart of Christ. He is the shepherd that leaves the 99 to go find that one, to go find that one, the one that's lost. Can you give me that heart, God? Can you give me that heart? Father, help us. God, we truly want to do, we truly want to do what you want us to do. We want to, we want to step into the mission that you've given us. But give us this heart, this burning desire like you have. <laughs>